The warmest of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching. In this podcast, we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science: storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. And in fact, today we are joined by even more of these incredible educators than usual because we are all here to celebrate the 100th episode of Happily Ever Teaching. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and on behalf of everyone here, may I say we are delighted to have you joining us here as we celebrate 100 episodes of these educators so generously sharing off-the-shelf lesson ideas for you to magpie or morph into your own illuminating lesson plans. In fact, our educators are so generous that. Even though this is kind of a podcast party, many of them are still keen to share with you their favourite lesson ideas in this week's folk tale from Colombia. So before we get started, let me just let you know that you can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for basket babies. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children, and if you sign up as an Epic Educator, you'll also get a copy as an ebook or paperback, as well as the full audiobook for you to download at any time. There are even some tips for telling the story yourself, and a whole heap of resources to go with the lesson ideas we're about to discuss, as well as any extra lesson ideas that we didn't have time to fit in this podcast. Right now, though, let's kick off our 100th episode with the two who have been here since the start with this story,、uh, Helen and Toria. Folks, thank you so much for being part of this podcast. We, I've, I've just realised, literally in this moment, that we have here both the oldest and the newest member of our panel. Oh, we、um, do, and I, I, I mean that in the sense of duration、Yay. of being with us, rather than, and, and, because, because obviously、oh, both of you are way younger than me. <laughs> Helen、um, was literally there on the very first podcast we did before we even came up with the name "Happily Ever Teaching." Right at the start of the the pandemic, that was the very first lockdown we actually recorded in April twenty twenty. April twenty、wow. twenty, yeah, two years ago. Within days of, yeah, you're right. Actually, yes,、yeah, it's, it's our two、Goodness. year anniversary if we go by that, isn't it? Yeah. So, <laughs> well, that's exciting. So, tell me, Helen, what actually inspired you to to join us in the first place? Because you didn't have anything to go on, like Toria had、um, no. examples that she could listen to, and and we were doing something that had never been done before. So, why were you so, here? What happened from from what I remember, and do correct me if I'm wrong. So, I followed you on Facebook, Chip, as a storyteller, because I was very interested in、ah. uh, in your storytelling. I'm I、mm. was. Something that I wish I had more time to do was was get better at storytelling. So I followed your Facebook page,、um, and then I think on that Facebook page you put out a, a sort of appeal for for teachers that might like to be involved. You know, as we had this lockdown, like might like to be involved in this new project of of doing a podcast.、Mm. And I thought to myself, I'd like to be involved, but there's no way you'd get me doing a podcast. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I message you saying hi.、Um, I'd like to help if I can with ideas and things, but I don't think I can do a podcast. And you said, "Oh, hi. Why don't you just give it a go? See how it goes."、Um, so then I did, and now it's two years later. Yeah, and yeah, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It became、um, during lockdown. It became、um, a very was it weekly we were doing them. We were, yeah, we were getting them done every single week,、yeah. and, and you know, it was so manic back then, and、yeah. I had so much, and I still do have enormous. Enormous respect for for all of you folks, especially、um, those of you who were working with us during those first few lockdowns, because you were already doing something like three jobs, weren't you? Teaching the the key worker children in your classes, the kids who were working at a distance, and putting together lessons for the fact that it could all change around any second, and everyone could all be back in your classroom. And you were doing this to help out all of those teachers who maybe. Really struggling with their workload and needing to get some ideas really, really quickly. So, how did you do it? It became. I think it. I think it started just before I got really busy in lockdown. You know that、mm. there was that time when teachers didn't really know what we were meant to be doing,、mm. um, <laughs> and it it became a,、um, a quite a comfort to me actually having this this weekly 
appointment when I would see other people and 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 chat to you all and just share ideas with other, with other teachers and with yourself and uh, the other storytellers that were on it. And I really I got to really enjoy it. And then as I got busier, it still became still became an important important part of of the lockdown for me. And of course, by sharing my ideas, I was also coming up with ideas to use with my own children, and <laughs> it all it mm. worked out really well. And um, yeah, I'm glad to have been involved for so long. Have you had any chances then to, to use the ideas that have come either from yourself with the, the podcast or from some of the others that you've been magpieing ideas from? Um, yes, I have a couple of a couple of the stories, um, quite a few actually now I think I've used either as one-off lessons or a couple of times I've chosen a story and and shared it with the children and they've learned it and they've learned to love it. Um, mm. So there's a few stories that we've done that my children love. How I Nancy won all the stories, they love that one. Mm-hmm. And Olaf and his goat, um, I did that one. <laughs> yes. And that had such a great repetition for the younger children and the way I could get them involved. So there's a few stories mm. that I've used that the children in my class really love because I still use them now more as one-off stories um mm. after using them for classroom activities I, I still tell them occasionally so yes and do you think it helps with their their learning as well as as much as their enjoyment in the classroom do you know i've had children that um they just remember from the story they remember things that maybe mm. whereas they they might not remember other things you you'd like them to remember the things within a story that you want them to remember they they just do because it's that engagement, isn't it? It's that engagement yeah. with them, their imagination, their absolute love of stories. I think um, you can develop a love of stories in children, then you're going a long way. <laughs> yeah, and if that then launches you into a lesson, I mean that that's what we're all about here: taking that mm. um, engagement and that that passion that they find in the stories um, and using it to be the Duracell battery that that powers their learning going forward. Yeah, they're so, so they're so powerful for learning. The stories that we've talked about and many other stories, obviously, but just that way to initially get children absolutely absorbed in what you're in what you're talking about just to get them if you've got the children absorbed from the beginning then actually teaching them is a lot lot more straightforward it's that's half the battle isn't it getting getting the children engaged and absorbed and motivated and completely invested i think in their learning Going all the way to the other end, not only the other end of the school, but also the other end of the Happily Ever Teaching podcast timeline. <laughs> Toria, how, how have you found it joining joining our panel and um, being here in our virtual staff room with Helen? Oh, I've loved it. And I, I love listening to Helen's ideas because, of course, it is, you know, early years. And I, I love listening to all of that. And then actually translating that into Key Stage 2 and mm. thinking, yeah, actually, that could work for Key Stage 2 as well. You know, we are not separate entities. We are one and the same. We're all re- educators. And what I love about the Happily Ever Teaching podcast and being part of it is that I work in a sixth form intake junior school. Mm. And actually, we work off a school curriculum. There has to be consistency. And so the stuff that I like doing where I'm sort of brainstorming lots and lots and lots of different ideas for, say, one story, I don't necessarily get the chance to do lots of that Mm, in my day-to-day teaching life. Mm. And I love it. I just love it. You know, being given a story and and asked, okay, so how are you going to teach writing? reading, maths, PSHC, geography, history, science, through this. And initially I'll go, oh, I don't think I can. (laughs) And then suddenly the ideas ping in. And what I love is the randomization Mm. of some of the ideas and the fact that Chip, you're lovely because you never say, well, that's not a great idea. He does. You always are very encouraging, even about the most random ideas in the world. You go, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, and I think, oh, really? Would it work? (laughs) And it's lovely. It's just lovely being given space to be creative because Mm. I think since I started teaching 21 years ago, I have felt at times that governments have somewhat hammered creativity out of us. The creativity, Mm. that choice, that ability to just run with things. And actually, that's what I love as an educator. And Mm. what I found myself doing in my classroom is that, okay, I can't move very far away from the school curriculum, but I can engage with some of these really creative ideas that we talk about in this, Mm. you know, in this virtual staff room. Well, I hope that um, what we are 
able to do through this podcast is sort of um, bridge between that situation that you, that you just described there, where you're given a, a set curriculum and set things that you have to cover, to um, a the situation where you are using these stories uh, as the the basis of that curriculum, because mm. if you uh, if you are in a, a sixth form entry uh, school and you're trying to have everybody working off the same page, well, how better to do that than with a story where you can then get everybody engaged in something, and you know they're all going to be talking about it, sharing their own ideas about the characters and things in the playground with their friends, um, and then using that to um, have discussions like we have here in your own actual staff mm. rooms um, so that you can be creative about linking the the various topics that you've got to cover with the story. And I hope that folks who are listening to just how brilliantly you folks do this and you come up with um, these fantastic ways of using stories. And the reason I get so enthusiastic about them, Tori, is because I find them absolutely overwhelmingly brilliant. <laughs> they really, really are. Um, and I think, you know, if I'd been in your schools and you were bringing, you know, all, all of my learning to me, I would understand so much more than I do right now. <laughs> And I learned so much from you folks by doing this podcast. So yeah, I, I really do. Is, is there anything you yourself, Toria, have created for this podcast or that you've maybe magpied from Helen or, or other episodes that you've um, found has, has been a help to you in your actual classroom? Not as yet, but I feel I'm in my infancy with yes, the podcast. Of <laughs> you know, I've, only, I've only done the one, so I haven't actually been given enough time yet to really put it mm. into the classroom. So, you know, ask me in a few months. When I'm more of a toddler, you know. I will do. <laughs> Maybe when we get to our 200th episode. <laughs> Dropping in to celebrate this 100th episode of Happily Ever Teaching, we are joined by Rob, who has been with us since, well, almost since the, the very beginning, I think. Was it, was it 2020 when you joined us for the first Epic Learning Podcast? I think it was, yeah. Yeah. So so you you've um, been around for a while and and you've you've been through pretty much every stage of the uh, primary journey as well having taught um key stage 2 um and key stage 1 is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even done a tiny bit of work with uh, early years as well. Alongside our fabulous Helen. Yes. I before I met Helen I did some work in a nursery around Christmas time. Oh. When both of the teachers who normally taught they both went off sick so i ended up presenting the um christmas production to their parents <laughs> and they were, uh, you don't actually know who i am but here's your children's production <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't put you off um no i was a bit nervous so a few butterflies but <laughs> oh br that's brilliant and coming in with rob here is Abby, all the way from Festival Bridge, which, how do you describe um, Festival Bridge, Abby? Is it kind of like the, the the link between arts and education in the eastern region of the country? Well, that was nice and, nice and succinct. I think I'll leave it to you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we are one of 10 national Arts Council funded organisations with the role of connecting education and the world of arts, culture, heritage, creativity all of those things. And you're clearly one of the perfect people to be on their team, partly because of the, the creativity that you have oozing in your veins, but you've also been a, <laughs> a, a teacher for early years as well? Yeah, so I, I was a primary teacher for 10 years. I started with year one, two, uh, made it all the way down to nursery and stayed there to the end of my time in teaching. And when when you moved to Festival Bridge, what what was your motivation? Dare I ask? Oh, crumbs! That's a that's a biggie. It's just a great opportunity. Mm. It's it's the most uh, amazing organisation to work with. And I think, in the words of one of my colleagues, working in the classroom, you're really focused on reaching the group that you have in front of you. Whereas this is a more strategic move to try and get great arts and culture to as many young people as you possibly can. So it's it's scaling up. It's doing <laughs> it's it's doing what Rob and Helen and everyone do, but trying and, and all these wonderful listeners just trying to get the, the best opportunities that I didn't know were around when I was teaching. Yeah, and, and you're providing yet more of those opportunities as are Rob, Helen and everyone else here by 
being on this podcast and yeah, <laughs> sharing all of your fabulous ideas. So I'm slightly nervous about asking this question, but it's our hundredth episode. So I feel it's a question that has to be asked. What have you got out of being on this podcast? Have you enjoyed it? Uh, Don't all clamour at once. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's been good to talk to other people around the country about stories. It's been good to dip my toes into podcasting as well, because it's not something I would have Mm. imagined that I would do. Me too. (laughs) And to think that me talking to people about stories is available on the internet is a bit like, well, wow. (laughs) I'd never listened to a podcast before this. Not one. Really? Never. Did not enter into that world whatsoever didn't have a clue uh-huh. and, and has it opened doors for you are you discovering even more now yeah and I'm definitely realizing that, that that this is where a lot of people a lot of teachers you know do you know busy people just turn it on have a listen mm-hmm. yeah it's, de- it's definitely something that's that people are doing grand I just love it when the stories come through because I, I really enjoy reading them with my children and I, <laughs> I I get quite excited about what's gonna happen and and the with this particular story the giggles I love the giggles from my eldest who's seven um <laughs> when the uh sisters transferred the the child for a, a kitten and a, and a dog and then when the last one was a stick you should have heard the laughter <laughs> they they just were really they thought it was hilarious yeah no i think i have to agree it's one of my favorite stories to tell for specifically that moment <laughs> every <laughs> single time <laughs> what about you rob do you enjoy being here with us oh uh, yeah yeah it's good to to get ideas and bounce ideas and use them in the classroom mm. that I hear from other people. And I feel potentially that your writing of this story may have been influenced by me a little bit um, oh. towards the end. The where are they now? The jokes. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, I think you guys do rub off on, on us as well. <laughs> um, I was reading them going, oh, that's really funny. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's right up my... Whereas others like Abby were probably reading it thinking, oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, I, I think Rob's right. It's the character that comes out and after spending time with various different members of the, the Epic Tales team, I, I think you do, you form those kind of character traits don't you mm. you're expecting from one another i feel my uh, reputation for my level of humor precedes me somewhat <laughs> now as well <laughs> absolutely does and do you find yourself using these stories and ideas that that you put on the podcast do you actually use them in your own classroom then rob yeah i've taken the time to come up with them for all of the <laughs> listeners that we have but it, it would be crazy not to use them myself as well absolutely <laughs> and and not blame my own trumpet, but because I've come up with them, the children that I work with enjoy them as well. Yes, yeah. Well, we always do say that you folks as the teachers are going to know your children way better than anyone else. And so every idea that comes out on this podcast, everything that a storyteller does with your children, it's, it's going to be adapted and work with your children best when it's kind of been through you as the as the filter. I'm really looking forward to coming and sampling some of the uh, fruit salads that you have uh, concocted following the um, podcast that we made with Helen. And what, what story was it? Was that the Persephone one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you done that yet? Well, have we haven't a... yet, no. <laughs> I'm doing Greeks next year, so it might be. Ah, that'll in. be the time to, yeah. to come to yeah. Milton Keynes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, without further ado, then, let's have a look at what ideas you came up with for this particular story. I'm glad it sounds like you enjoyed it quite a lot, Abby. Do you, do you want to kick us off with the, the lesson idea you'd like to share for our 100th episode? Yeah, sure. So I, I've gone with, with a, a theme rather than a subject. Oh, okay. So um, I, I've gone with the theme of empathy. And I think that, as you said, you know, teachers need to take ownership of, of whatever ideas we come up with. So um, can can explore this in a particular subject or use it as a, a starting point for a, a topic. But with that particular theme of empathy, it just really struck me as a story that you can really talk about kindness and doing things for others and the importance of recognising what things that you can do. So mm. for your PSHE, you can really tease that out with young people and, and just get them to really think about what they do in their in their day-to-day goings about school to, to just be kind to any member of staff to each other to their peers just just how they you know I, th- I think we've had loads of schemes around this kind of kind of thing about mm. just how to use your words to make someone else feel 
just rec- giving a compliment, saying thank you when someone holds the door open, just really simplistic kind of things that just make the whole school ethos lift. Yeah. So, yeah, really um, pulling out empathy as a theme. So I'm going to go in a couple of different directions with this, okay. particularly because the uh, the focus of the, the 100th episode is around foster care fortnight. Um, so really thinking about the narrative around family. So what what is it to be a parent and what is it to be to care for something? So, you know, we've just had Mother's Day. And actually, I think that um, people in PR have really jumped on this to realise that for Mother's Day, actually, you're celebrating many a person who takes the mother role. Yes. Yeah. Whether they're your biological mother or not. And I think actually this could be a really nice activity repeated, you know, around that time around Mother's Day where you're thinking about, okay, you know, it might be a sister, Mm -hmm. it might be a person who's not your biological mother who is the role of your mother and really exploring that. And, you know, some people, yeah, just just the the different dynamics that you have of someone who plays a a role of a carer Mm -hmm. uh, and with it being foster care fortnight, I think that's really pertinent, you know, that what typifies someone who is a great parent and what I was thinking of when when you introduced the kitten and the puppy and the stick was actually getting the young do you remember when Tamagotchis came out yeah. and everyone oh, yes. had to then look after their Tamagotchi and not <laughs> and all I was thinking of is actually that that whole notion of giving the children all a stick during forest schools and saying right now don't just leave it on the floor and take care of it and you know how, how are you going to be a good parent to your stick and just just you know have fun with it but really really talking about you know if, if you care for something yeah. how you know you've got to feed it you've got and this actually does link with safeguarding you know you can do some really delicate stuff around safeguarding and again going back to knowing the class you've got and knowing the things you've got to take care of but being able to say you know you would make sure they're fed mm-hmm. that they're washed that they're clean that they're you know all, all of those things and as I said you know it, my thoughts around this went off in lots of different directions and playing on everyone's mind at the moment is the the war in Ukraine mm-hmm. and you know what, what it is to to be a, a young person or a parent in in that situation so yeah lots lots and lots of uh, random different different pathways for this so um, I think the thing is when you are dealing with a theme like empathy when you want to go into your knowledge and skills, of course, you can pick that up in lots of different subject areas. But actually, a brilliant thing to just focus on for early years in Key Stage 1 anyway, just just talking around mm. the people that they can trust, the people they care about. I do really like the idea of giving them something to look after like a stick. Um, I, <laughs> I, I don't know how whether it's an actually done thing, but... Um, one of my favourite programmes as a teen was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And there's an episode of that <laughs> where these kids who are in high school have to look after an egg and okay. sort of, you know, keep it comfortable, care for its needs, make sure it doesn't, mm. you know, get damaged and, and that sort mm. of thing. Yeah. Um, and I can, I can certainly yeah. see that being a, a wonderful little project to help kids understand the, the various aspects of care. It used to be with a bag of flour. Okay. I think now they actually do use... <laughs> something that replicates uh, a child what what age is that usually with i remember kind of like year nine mm. say kind of 14 year olds i it was not class i did but kind of we've got you've got a, a doll to look after yeah. for the week but could you see something like that happening in in the the primary range oh wouldn't it be lovely mm. I, th- I think i think it's really nice because it really teaches them to be citizens and that certainly is you know within the the Ofsted framework currently and thinking about mm. what it is to be a citizen of the school, you know, a, a person who who cares for one another and but, you know, a part of their own community, a part of their own family. What what do you need to do to, to care? Yeah. To have empathy for everyone else and yeah, just notice. If I was doing it with my class, I would potentially I, I would use a stick or mm. an inanimate object just to keep it as safe as possible yeah. rather than you're a parent here's a child you've got to look after so just to kind of remove that a stage and make it here you've got to look after this stick or i would use the stick too just because of how that humor in that moment of the story mm. yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's not you're not getting a kitten you're not getting a puppy <laughs> you can imagine your class just going oh i wanted a kitten <laughs> and then actually saying to them no you've got a stick <laughs> <laughs> so don't lose your stick 
What have you? What have you got to do? What have but you, you see to... them uh, taking care of that stick. You know, they take it for walks, and they they, mm. they make sure it, it gets some activity. It plays with the dog, and you know, I'm sure they they make sure it keeps coming back. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's all about keeping <laughs> keeping the care in mind. Keeps nice and warm by the fire. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> by the fire, not yeah. <laughs> not like stick man. <clears throat> you have to be careful. No, and it reminds me. Um, uh, often in early years, you have a class teddy bear that that might go and visit homes, yes, but yeah. the parents have the pressure of what are we going to do with teddy bear that's exciting overnight. But actually, I think the children would really run with this, mm. and you know, where did stick go? What did stick do? And I, yeah, <laughs> I, I think you could. It would be a competition of, of whether sticks lost any bark by the end of the week yeah. and how, how well, you know, did they make a bed or a, a special carry case or anything for it to, mm. to make sure it was in. They could maybe decorate it like um, the little girl does in, is it Toy Story 4, I think, where she gets like a spoon and she turns it into. A, Forky, uh, yeah, a, it is number four. That's right. And and yeah, you, you could, yeah. it's a very similar kind of idea in, in terms of yeah. like having a stick and, and wanting to look after it and making sure that it still has yeah. fun. But you, you also mentioned when you, you first suggested your idea about the, the sort of philosophical angle and all mm. the RE angle. Yeah, so the, when I read the story, um, I've, I've got a theology degree. So the first thing that came to my mind was the story of uh, Moses being sent down the river oh, yes. in a basket and actually thinking about the characters in that particular story. So if you if you were going to introduce the story verbally and, and give the two different versions – um, what might be interesting is just to pose the philosophical, philosophical question <laughs> around, uh, is it okay mm. to put your baby in a basket and send them down the river? Now, I'm hoping that you do the caveat first of children, do not do this at home with your baby sister, baby <laughs> brother. We don't, we don't want any of that. Um, mm. But actually getting them to talk about, and, and as I say, you know, coming back to the war in Ukraine currently and uh, where the young people are studying the uh, evacuations in, in the world wars. So it's just good to, to, to pose the, the philosophical question and, and ask the young people, is it ever right as a parent to send your children away? And how difficult a decision it is to, to make that thinking, my child will be safer, my child will be better cared for. But that really difficult decision of, you know, I, I won't be able to be with them, but I know that they, they'll be they'll be safer, which is what happens yeah. with Moses. His mother puts him in the basket and sends him down the river and he is picked up by two two servant women who don't feature strongly in the story, but obviously they the fact that they pick him up is amazing yeah. because of the, the life he goes on to live. And, you know, comparatively with the two aunties in your story, their motive for sending the baby away completely, you know, you could really compare those two yeah, things. Very you know, different. Totally different. Yeah, mm. totally different motives for... Um, but you can really explore the philosophy with young people and, and just say, you know, actually sometimes as a parent, that, that is a, a crossroads that, you, you know, some people have to come to and say, what, what is the, mm. the best thing to do? Uh, a very difficult discussion to be having and, and obviously done with the, the right age in mind and the right content. So, yeah, it's, it's a moment in the story where you can really have a, a, a basket and then either put physical things or, or write on paper, you know, what, what things would you send, either thoughts and emotional things that you can add into the basket or physical things, you know. I, I would give my child wealth, I would give them yeah. food, I would give them health. You mentioned there, Abby, and I think both of you have hinted at the fact that age needs to be taken into consideration with any activity mm. like this. And w is this mm. something that you would see happening down in the sort of five to seven age range, maybe even the, the four to seven age range? And and if so, what adjustments mm. would you maybe make? Yeah, I, I mean, definitely. I, I think that particularly in early years in Key Stage 1, you're really focusing on the world around then. Mm. making sense of what is around them so you are talking about their family and their the immediacy because that that really is what they're learning about okay. but because i think definitely from sort of year two going into year three so sort of six seven year olds i know with my two young boys they're aware that something's going on in the world mm. uh, they're hearing bits about it in the news and from other peers who are probably talking about it at school so to find delicate ways and appropriate ways of actually exploring that in a story, you know, stories are the best way mm. to 
talk about thoughts and feelings like that. So, yeah, I think that that is a safe space mm. to talk about your fears, to talk about your concerns and um, probably wouldn't go in as much of the the philosophical question I just said about, you know, a parent sending you away because that would actually be really frightening as, as a thought to pose to really young children. But okay. um, certainly more around the empathy and the care. Mm. I, th- I think they're the side of things that I would really focus on and, uh, you know, around, like I said, the, the Mother's Day sort of how, how wonderful it is to have a, a foster parent, a, a guardian who mm does those wonderful things for you and does care for you and and you know actually focusing on the the staff in the school because many a time they're the role models that those young people do yeah absolutely do say wow yeah i have a teacher who cares about me mm, i agree wholeheartedly <laughs> <laughs> well we recently covered a story rob um which also has the basket motif and similar to moses um romulus and remus are put into their basket for totally different reasons to what the sisters are doing in in this story. And I really like the idea of using a comparison between these sorts of stories to to really look at the importance of or the difference between objectivity and subjectivity. Because when I recently shared the story of Romulus and Remus with a group of children, one of the things that um, we talked about at the end was how none of them liked the fact that Romulus and Remus had been sent down the river in a basket. You know, we pointed out that this was done to protect them. It's it's what um, their mother did um, because she thought that they were in danger, just like with Moses. Mm. But objectively... It's a very questionable thing to do because you are basically sending your children sort of into danger. Yeah. Either to be consumed by crocodiles or wolves or goodness knows what else. But subjectively, it's the best option you've got. Um, and that mm. can that can be a really interesting thing to, to raise with children, I think. It's an area that if you don't have the comparisons like that, it's trickier to to mm. navigate through so you definitely if you've got these stories then it's a really good way of like you said addressing it and approaching it yeah they've all got different reasons for doing it like abby was just saying as well stories are safe places so you can put the children in mm-hmm. in the place of the adults who've sent the babies away and kind of what would you do would you do this why would you do this mm-hmm. or why would you not do it and get them to really empathize as well with the the adults who are having to make these decisions yeah and talk about some of the consequences of not doing it as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just re- just reminds us, doesn't it, that you know our, our young people have such messy lives. Mm. You know, it's it's really not clear cut, uh, and it's painful to know that we need to support them in recognising the difficult decisions that do go on around them, mm. and preparing them for being able to make those decisions themselves. Yeah, and and certainly as early career teachers, I I think we are not prepared. For the world of hmm. safeguarding and and all of those things that go beyond the the academic, and I think this is a this is a, a safe space, a nice story to support you in some of those things that we we all know a, a young person unless they have all of those those things catered for, they won't learn. Mm. I've got to feel safe. Yeah, in fact, just the other day, I remember, Helen, you suggested an English topic of writing care instructions to pop into the basket with a baby before sending it down the river, which is obviously something the sisters in this story wouldn't do. So being able to refer to those stories, the Moses and Romulus and Remus stories, that could be a fab launch into that lesson too, that English lesson. But if you're spending so much time with this story, you're probably going to want to tick off some of the other boxes that you have to tick off for Ofsted, etc. <laughs> so um, you, you had a core subject idea for us, did you, Rob? Yes, a science activity. So this is kind of more Key Stage 2 based. I was reading the story and I was like, yep, yeah, good story. I like it. There's lots of ideas kind of half bubbling away when the prince and the princess or the king and the queen got to the house, Marmalade House, mm-hmm. and they saw all the different kinds of trees that were there. I was like, ooh, yes, variation, <laughs> classification and variation of um, different plants and things like that. So it kind of links to part of the Key Stage 2 science. It's looking at famous scientists mm. and the impacts that they've had. So I was thinking of Charles Darwin, looking at evolution and how things are different, yeah. but also exploring 
the similarities and the differences between the trees that are there. So there's a chocolate tree, there's a coffee tree, there's uh, bananas, mm-hmm. and presumably there's oranges as well if it's marmalade house. Do you know, I, I think marmalade bushes don't actually give you marmalade. I, I'm, I'm, what? I, I could be wrong <laughs> about that, but I, I think okay. they're named for um, the, the look and the smell maybe rather than the fruit that they bear. I was, uh, yeah, I was kind of half wondering about that because obviously marmalade comes from oranges. From oranges, yeah. But it didn't mention oranges there. So yeah. I kind of half assumed that there would be an orange orchard as well. <laughs> I wish I'd done a bit more research now so I'd be <laughs> able to, to tell you. But it, so with my class, I would say, well, there are orange trees there because they make marmalade. Yeah. <laughs> um, so look at how... Or set then the challenge of, of researching that, researching yeah, whether yeah. A, a marmalade bush does in fact produce yeah. marmalade. <laughs> so kind of just set them off with the question, well, they're, they're all trees and plants, so we know that they've got some things that are similar, mm. but how are they different as well? Why are they different? Mm. What's caused them to be different? And I would lead on from that with kind of... And we've talked about this, the fact that geography is kind of a science as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you get from the chocolate plant how do you get the chocolate that we see in the shops what happens to it yeah which links into the geography with how the products have moved around the country and things like that but also the processes that they go through to create them and you could definitely spend a good couple of lessons a good week maybe on science of okay well how do we make coffee Mm. and why do we need to make coffee especially, <laughs> especially if you work in a school that should be very obvious but, uh, well chocolate as well presumably but you can actually link mm. that into the um is it pshe in key stage two they bring in drugs safe drugs yeah, and, yeah. and non-safe drugs oh. so you could talk about caffeine as yeah, a yeah. you know stimulant and yeah. uh, <laughs> so that, that 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 links to that that part as well there's a lovely part in the disney movie in canto where uh, where they're singing and uh, the child is really really excited and uh, the main character says and that's why coffee's for grown ups yeah. <laughs> and I just love that moment. Uh. Yeah, coffee is definitely for grown ups, not for small children. But kind of exploring and chocolate should different... be too. But there you go. Well, yeah, <laughs> the different processes that are used. Could you have a go at making your own coffee? If you're doing, if you're key, upper key stage two and you're looking at uh, World War Two in a history topic, you could say, well, during the war, supplies couldn't get through as easily. Mm. So they had to kind of make their own coffee. What did they make coffee from? What Again, did they make coffee from? Linking it to right now. Yeah, could could yes, there indeed, be certain yeah. things that you might not be able to get hold of? Your classroom's going to smell great, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this, this kind of science lab of chocolate over here and coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and marmalade stuff. over there. Yeah. <laughs> and then what happens if you combine all of them? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Cho- chocolate marmalade. That's a tasty dessert right yeah. there. Cho- a, a marmalade mocha. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you ever so much for joining us for, for this episode, folks, because you, you've literally encapsulated everything that we hope this podcast shares with teachers, both the, um, the stuff that can really help their children get and succeed in those standardized assessments at the end of the year and as you raised abby the uh, the really important life skills that are going to help them to become successful in all the other probably more important mm-hmm. aspects of their life that we just can't test for so mm. again thank you for all you're doing with us here at happily ever teaching and yeah we hope you come back for many many more thank you it's a thank real you pleasure for- um, branching out to us and allowing us to stick around with you for doing all of these. I think he's trying to slip some puns in there, Abby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is he? Oh, it went over my head. <laughs> And for this, our 100th episode, we are also joined by the ever-delightful Bex, who has also been a stalwart of this podcast since, uh, well, pretty much near the beginning. Have you enjoyed your time with the Epic Tales podcast team, Bex? Definitely have. Like, I I do really, really enjoy it. It keeps my practice, like, really sharp and 
love sharing ideas and magpieing ideas from everyone else as well. Well, yeah, because you actually do teacher training as part of your role. Is, is it as part of your role as an SLT or, or wider than that? It was part of a, a teaching program that I was doing about being a, like, a great professional and a great teacher. And I was on this course and the people that were running the, um, the teacher training, they were starting off a school-centred initial teacher training and they just said, oh, we like you. Do you want to be involved? And then I kind of ended up running it. So, um, <laughs> And actually, I think it's how I got involved in this because you went to a school with one of my ex-trainees who then messaged me. That's right. Yes. So it's meant to be. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And you clearly have a knack for it. Um, and I, I, I thought you were going to say that you liked it because you have kept coming back. <laughs> and you are crazily experienced, I think, not just in the, the training teacher side of it, but you have, like Rob, had experience with pretty much every single age group within the school. I'm not going to do that thing where I ask you, you know, whether you have a year group you prefer, but <laughs> I am going to ask you whether the sort of teaching approach that we recommend through the Epic Tales podcast is one that you would recommend with any year group in particular? So I think the thing that I've learned like with my experience in teacher training and also teaching across the school that actually good teaching is good teaching and it doesn't matter what year group you're in they're like the Mm -hmm. foundations are the same so I think actually our older children often you kind of shy away from like stories and picture books with them but actually they still love it there's still that real love of being taken to another world of being able to understand real issues through the lens of a story so I, I would use it from reception to year six storytelling as an approach. And is that what you see to be the the key benefit then, getting them thinking about and and discussing issues that maybe you would struggle to come out with if it was a a real world issue? I think so, because you can tend to shy away from things that are really, really difficult for the children, particularly your smaller, your younger age groups, so our four or five and six-year-olds. There's some things that, that happen in the world that you just want to help them to unpick, but actually it's much safer through a story or even Mm. um, children who are going through really difficult things themselves. Actually, if you can show them a character from a story who's done something similar or been through something similar and give them hope that they can get through too. So I think that's why I love stories. And that's why I love English as well. Absolutely. Well, we often find in this podcast that we, we can cover pretty much every single subject under the sun using a story. But one of your principal loves is English. So I'm going to guess you've probably picked an English topic from this story to share with us. I have, yes. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) So I was was thinking about how we could use uh, this story across the school, um, particularly being as, as we were just talking about, it does deal with some really important issues. It deals with that sense of what a family is and also it deals with quite a lot of I guess there's so many key points within the story where you can explore how the characters are are feeling and what's actually going on a bit deeper than just the words that are written and so what I'm thinking that I would do with this story is use it across the school so from our early years to our year six and I'd give each of the kind of year groups a point in the story to explore and that the outcome, because we know that it's good to have a purpose and an outcome for our for our work, would be to either create a non-chronological report or a newspaper article. So each of the year groups would create that, but in a very different way, depending on ability of each class in your or each phase in your school. And then it would gotcha. be really, really good as well to have an opportunity to see all the children producing the same thing. So for as a school leader then you can kind of look at the progress of the children across one genre in the school so lots of Mm. helpful things I love the story it's one of my um I think I've been doing this over two years and it's one of my favorites um so (laughs) I'm trying trying to think whether you you say that every time or not (laughs) no I like I like there was one about um the robin well a shapeshifter one with the character called robin Robin goodfellow yeah yeah and the world war one those are my two uh, but this one's in the top three um, it's in the top three, is it? Okay, yeah, so is, is it between Robin and Herbert, or is it it's just the below third them? of the three? Yeah, just it's the, the just third the, of the only three. Just, only just, but it's, it's, I've forgotten <laughs> which one it's pushed out. But it's one of my. That lets everybody know favorites. how good those other stories must be. Yeah, yeah. So go, if you if you're interested, go back to those as well. <laughs> um, so obviously, one of the things that happens quite at the beginning of the story is you have the uh, three sisters making wishes, and also yes. you have the gardener family who uh, who have made their wish as well. So Mm -hmm. uh, the first point of the story that I'd want one of the year groups to explore is that whole when their wishes come true. 
So like, how did yeah. they feel? What was going on? How, um, how did it change and affect their lives? So I'd probably give that to our younger children because it's quite easy. Um, you would mm-hmm. have people coming in and being the characters and get doing lots of drama, hot seating the sisters. So that would be my first year group would have that one. They're also the year group that I think appreciates good news more. Because yes. oh, as, yes. as you go up the school, people start to to sense that news is usually about the, the bad things happening in the world. And and yeah, we, we like to have the good news as well, which is coming at, true. Yes, where actually they wished for something and it came true. I really, really like that point of the story. And also maybe getting them to think about why the sisters wished for the things they did. So Obviously, nice. it gives us a little bit of information in the story, but really drawing that out. I then want to um, obviously explore the part of the story where we ended up with a kitten and a puppy and a stick <laughs> as um, instead of a baby, because I think they're quite uh-huh. interesting. But I think you could split them up into three. I was thinking our um, years one, two and three would do those. So they could have the story of the puppy being born, the kitten being born and then the stick. Um, I really uh-huh. thought the stick was it's a great one, the stick, because you can also link it into like Stick Man, which is a Julia Donaldson book. Go and make your own baby sticks. And I just thought there's so much you could do with the stick. Um, and love <laughs> the little puns at the end about the stick as well. That was brilliant. So you'd have to get, I think you'd need to share those with the children so they can make some really good headlines about the stick. Um, that's, why I'd, <laughs> that's why I'd give the year threes the stick, because I think it's got a bit more scope in it. Uh-huh. And then obviously we've got the uh, them all finding each other again at the end so that Mm. would be the last point that I would pick out in the story and then get our years four five and six to all explore that part of the story because obviously there's quite a lot of emotions and feelings and even though they're a couple who wished for the uh, babies they ended up spending time with them in the garden it wouldn't have been the same Mm. obviously because their role would have changed from parenting them to to doing the gardens and obviously they were still involved Mm. in their lives but that whole how would you deal with with all of that and maybe if you really really wanted to challenge your year sixes or your year fives they could maybe think about the point of view of the puppy the stick and the kitten at the end so did they like (laughs) going back to being a more normal puppy kitten Mm. and stick or were they actually a bit sad that they'd been replaced by the the human children (laughs) So just, I think the well, I'd hope they weren't replaced. I'd I'd hope that you know they they became as much the step brothers of the the actual children as yes. the uh, real children were to the gardener and his wife. If you see what I mean, yes, I hope so too. But it'd just be really interesting to explore the the feelings of those characters as they yeah. as the families kind of merge together, I guess. And you'll have a lot of children in our schools who are experiencing similar feelings and emotions. And again, as we said at the beginning, the Mm. opportunity through story to say, you know, it's okay if you feel a bit put out that somebody else is joining your family, but you need to learn how to live with them. I I hadn't really thought of that perspective of it so yeah that that's a that's a really good one to explore i i also thought if you wanted a couple of other um headline points for your fours and fives and sixes to split up between them there's also the the royal visit that oh, is yes, made yes. to the gardener and his wife that that's usually something that gets reported it's another good news one yes. though um and then of course there are the children going missing the the two young men oh, who yeah. go up the hill and they don't come back for a week so that would probably be a headline wouldn't it that would definitely be a headline and even the uh the finding of the babies in the water Mm. So actually, there's there's loads and loads of points. So pick from those for your different year groups because <laughs> there's so many different things that you could that you could report on and get. And I always Absolutely. I think I always say this of get your other staff involved, get your head teacher to maybe be the the queen. I'm sure if you or a king, I'm sure they'd enjoy mm. that. Or the prince or the princess. So there's so many opportunities to explore little parts of the story, and then maybe making a newspaper of a whole school one of the whole like journey of the story within print. Just one uh, quick question then on on that topic. How would you share the story in the first place? Would you actually be like sharing just like the different segments of the story with the group who are going to write about them? Or would you share the whole story as as a a whole school assembly? Or what thoughts have you got on that? I think you could do either. I think you could just, I really like pausing stories, which if you've ever heard me talk, you'll know. (laughs) So I might give each group the part of the story up until the bit they're looking at. So for Mm. example, the the early years children just talk about 
read them the, the introduction pages of the story where until the three sisters get their wishes and say, right, we're going to pause here, we're going to explore this, and then we're going to read you the rest of the story. And nice. maybe read them all the rest of the story as we publish our newspapers. So they all get the whole thing at the end of the week. So keep them in suspense. I love this idea, Bex, because it has got a little bit of everything you've brought to the podcast. I mean, definitely the English focus, but the whole school focus, making it a whole school project. Um, the pauses in the story. Yeah, this is this is a Bex idea through and through. <laughs> Uh, one last question coming back to just your experience of joining the Epic Podcast team. Have you yourself gone on to use any of these ideas in your own teaching or with your own colleagues? I have, actually. Um, the one that I remember using the most called The Distant Fire. And we, um, mm -hmm. we use, we've used it a few times, but once particularly memorable for me was during um, during the pandemic where we were talking about there's two mountains and the and they're working together across the mountains, um, if you don't mm -hmm. know the story. And um, I used that with my class as they were actually, so some were working at home and some were working in school. And I really, really remember that. I have used other ideas at other times, but that's a, a really special one for me. Oh. Oh, I'm so glad to hear it. Oh, well, thank you again ever so much, Bex, for all you've brought to Happily Ever Teaching. And um, long may we, we hear your little giggle um, and your many pauses. Yes. <laughs> That's all we have time for in this episode, folks. Thank you so much for joining us for this very special episode. And a huge thank you as well for Rai, um, who doesn't get mentioned enough for all that he does for this podcast. Rai is our editor at Daring and Design. And it's thanks to him that we have got to 100 episodes in in only a couple of terms, really. So thank you, Rai. You've been a brilliant star. Now, folks, we'd very much love to hear your thoughts on what you've heard in this podcast. So please do get in touch with us on social media using at Teach Happily or leave us a review using your favorite podcast app. And if you heard our little insert at the beginning, any reviews you leave at the moment, if you are catching this um, around about April time, those reviews themselves, just by leaving a review, you are going to be sending a donation to the relief efforts in Ukraine. So just an added incentive there to be leaving us a review right now. And please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable and enjoyable all at the same time, just as you've been hearing happens in the classes of these fine educators we've got here with us right now. Now, we'll be back next week so the gardener and his family can help us plan lessons in science, geography, art, music, design and technology. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! cheerio. And we and hope, hope to, to hear your, your story, story soon. soon.